Hurry up, your favorite show's about to start. Grab a Capri Sun, some Dunkaroos, and settle in for another episode of The Millennial Movie Club. In a world where two <laughs> moderately attractive people, not quite lovers, definitely not friends, start a podcast together, <laughs> this is Millennial Movie Club. <laughs> Whoa. That got me so amped. Ripping. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm amped up for this movie me too. today. I've been riding a high ever since the last second of that movie. I've just been running around my house, like, just punching air. It's so cool. That movie being Speed. Speed. This movie kicks so much ass. We promised that we would do an episode soon where uh, it was a movie that Dan didn't like, and so far, we've really no. not made good on that promise. <laughs> Unfortunately. I mean, what are you going to do? It's not our fault that we like watching good movies. Yeah, right. What do you want us to review? Speed 2? Ooh. Actually, though, we probably should. Speed to cruise control. Apparently, that's garbage. But also, I did just eat dinner before this. So just hold on to your hats because it might be a burpee ride. Me too. I did the same. We're reaching a deeper level of intimacy today. Right. This movie, it was my first time seeing this movie. And I fucking loved it. I am ooh, just adrenalized. Is that a word? Sure, yeah. It is now. I just am edging for the full <laughs> hour and a half. I was going through the movie in my head. I was like, man, I really hope Chaz likes this because I love it, but I just wasn't sure. And then when you texted me and said that you liked it, that even got me more pumped. And then I finished like the last half an hour of the episode kind of like watching through your eyes. <laughs> it does kick ass. Are you just really insecure about your tastes? Like I'm oh, the speaker between the two of us. And you're like, yeah. I hope Jazz likes it. Otherwise, I'll be embarrassed. Otherwise, I'll say I don't like it because I'm a follower. <laughs> this whole episode would be a lie. Before we dive into this epic masterpiece of a movie, this is our weekly reminder that this episode will be packed with spoilers. So we highly recommend that you speed off to your TV Sit your ass down and get ready to have your mind blown. Just make sure you don't go below 50 miles an hour. <laughs> Run to your couch no less than 50 miles per hour and then come back. You'll get that reference. Don't worry. Then we'll laugh about it, all of us. Then you'll feel like you belong. Yeah, I was thinking, little tip, start like a movie club with your friends, right? And then when you see you know, an episode come out or you know that it, one's right. going to come out, you watch the movie before with all your friends and then maybe you could listen to the episode. And, I love that idea. Uh, yeah. Pre-game this podcast. So fun. Get to hang out with your friends, watch a movie. When's the last time you did that? I don't know. Plus, I miss creating kind of like little secret society clubs with my friends, just being like, okay, we're on this club now, and these are the rules, and this is yeah. the language, and it lasted for like two weeks, and then you forgot about it. All right, shall we set the scene? Yes, please. The description of this movie reads, Los Angeles police officer Jack angers retired bomb squad member Howard Payne by foiling his attempt at taking hostages. In revenge, Payne arms a bus with a bomb that will explode if it drops below 50 miles per hour. With the help of spunky passenger Annie, Jack and his partner Harry try to save the people on the bus before the bomb goes off. I mean, that's exactly it. That's pretty much it in a nutshell. See you next week. Yeah, <laughs> that was great. <laughs> the challenge of this episode is going to be there is so much shit that happens in this movie that we're just going to have to gloss mm -hmm. over some parts. Want our episodes to be two hours long. Right, just let right. Us know. <laughs> Go to our Patreon that we're launching in two years. Uh, reach out to us on Instagram at Millennial Movie Club. Let us know. <laughs> nice. Good plug. Okay. This movie was directed by Jean de Bont. 
I hope that's how you uh, say his name. He also directed Minority Report and Twister and The Haunting. So he's all over the place. Fun fact, this movie was initially propositioned to Quentin Tarantino, but he declined the offer because he was busy in pre-production on Pulp Fiction, which turned out to be a pretty good move. Yeah, wow. And I'm glad that this wasn't him because there'd be like a lot less explosions and a lot more like, you know, inane dialogue. Probably a lot more gruesome. I agree. It was written by Graham Yost, but I've heard that Joss Whedon actually wrote like 99% of this who did Buffy. Oh yeah, and he was not even credited. Poor, poor Joss Whedon. (laughs) That's Hollywood, baby. That's how it goes. He should have gotten a credit because I'm just going to jump in with all the fun facts. Please. (laughs) So initially, Keanu Reeves' role was offered to Stephen Baldwin initially, who turned it down because he thought it was just going to be like another Die Hard, Mm. which had recently come out, was offered to Keanu Reeves, who also turned it down because he thought it was just going to be another Die Hard. And then when they sent him the revised script after Joss Whedon got hold of it, then Keanu agreed. Wow. I mean, good move by Keanu. So we got Keanu Reeves as Jack Traven. Doesn't really roll off the tongue. No. He had just got done with Point Break. He was a few years away from The Matrix. We know him from everything and breaking the internet, pretty much. We've got uh, Dennis Hopper as Howard Payne, the villain of the story. We know Dennis Hopper from a bunch of things. Blue Velvet, most importantly, Mario Brothers. (laughs) We've got kind of the introduction of Sandra Bullock Uh as Annie. That's right. Uh, And then she took the world by storm. Yeah, this really launched her. And once again, she was not initially the first choice for this role. Up first, get this, they offered it to Halle Berry and then Ellen DeGeneres. What? Yeah, so initially it wasn't going to be really like a romantic scenario. She was going to be kind of like the comic relief and they were going to forge a friendship and they offered it to Ellen. Wow. I don't know how I feel about that. I feel really bad about it. I don't want that at all. We've got Joe Morton as Captain McMahon. He was in Terminator, Terminator 2, Paycheck. One more, we've got Jeff Daniels as Harry. Fucking couldn't have been more distracting to name his character that. Yeah, right. Well, I think Dumb and Dumber came out in 1994, so he had both of these, right? Yeah, he made both of those in the same year. And I just kept thinking like maybe, you know, as this dude on the bomb squad, this detective, he just saw too much, really lost his marbles, and then became the Harry that we know and love from Dumb and Dumber. Unfortunately, he was splattered into a million pieces, so mm-hmm. he yeah. couldn't become Harry from Dumb and Dumber. Interesting tidbit. In the original edits of the script, he was originally going to be the villain. What? Yeah, and the actual bad guy was just going to be sort of like his accomplice and kind of like a front, and then they were going to reveal him after the fact. And then they were just like, that's just too much. It's so tired. Tired. Also, I know we're, we keep saying like all the different things that make this movie. I think Dennis Hopper really makes this movie. I think he's the best part. I have to be honest. Initially, I was like, this is a strange cast for me because I just didn't see him as like the maniacal. I was just like, you just seem like somebody's grumpy old grandpa. And then I was like, oh, uh, once yeah. you realize like who he is, you're like, all right, that kind of makes sense. It's such a good character. They wrote it in such a great way. He's just like obsessed with his own intelligence and he feels so wronged by society and by the police and 
has this kind of like warped sense of of justice and of fate. It's interesting to see a character that is a mix between retired cop and genius. Like they don't really typically. Yeah, right. No offense, but they don't typically go hand in hand. I don't think it was ever recreated again. And somehow it's it's believable. Yeah. He was on the bomb squad for years, somehow got his thumb screwed up and then they kicked him off. They booted him. Yeah, he's got some yucky fingies. Yeah, they don't, they only show it like two times, but right. that's okay. It doesn't really matter. You just understand that he feels very slighted. I just want to say that this movie was made for like $38 million. Mm. It's so low budget and they made $350 million from it. Wow. Um, it's just all explosions. So you'd think it's like really high production. There's not really a big name in this movie. No, it was definitely like a career launcher. And even major action sequences like the bus jump was not even added in until they were already in production. So they were just like, well, we have this bus. We're not spending much money. Let's make it do whatever we want. And they had 20 buses that they used for various wow. things. Crashing into cars. One of them, which like didn't have a front so they can have a camera crew where the front of the bus would be. Like one of them was all fitted with lights. They had a bunch of interior buses and a bunch of exterior buses, you know, buses that would jump that had hydraulics and two wheels. So they would go up on two wheels when they were taking turns. Yeah. they And they sell them too. Like you can buy one of the speed buses. Whoa. Yeah. Because they have so many and people just want to own them. They're obsessed. Well, if this podcast takes off, first thing I'm buying. Right. One of them was sold in 2018 for $100,000. That's it? So maybe we should start the Patreon a little sooner than we thought. <laughs> and let's get to 100K, you guys. And let's buy the speed bus. Let's you guys, we've got to do this. It's going to be so great for all of us when It'll we have this funny, bus. right? It'll be worth it. Cool. Well, Daniel, every week I like to pull three different reviews to read to you. So I was wondering if, well, I could do that now. Please, please, Daniel. <laughs> all right. Okay. Our first review comes from Jonathan Rosenbaum of the Chicago Reader. It reads, The deft arabesques of cinematographer Andres Bartkowiak. Sorry for that pronunciation. Perfect pronunciation. <laughs> Juice up the suspense. And if you're not too put off by the sheer ridiculousness of the story, then you won't be bored. That's it. I would love for somebody to describe my work as deft arabesques. Yeah, I don't know what that word means. It's like a ballet move. It's like a little jump and turn. Well, just say Axel next time or whatever. I think that <laughs> I disagree with him. I think this plot is awesome. I don't think that there's anything wrong with this plot. I mean, it's not believable in the way that there's too much shit that's happening, but I think it's actually kind of good. I agree. I think it's a lot. It's a lot to be packed in where you're just like, again, now we now what? But overall, it's a bomb on a bus. It walked so 24 could run. I made a bowl of kettle corn to watch this movie and I was just like, wah, 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 wah. <laughs> I, couldn't, I was so stressed in a good way. I was so like amped up. I really went to town. I could have used some kettle corn so I didn't grind my teeth into dust while watching this movie. <laughs> Next time, you got to remember that. A mouth guard. Mouth guard is what it is. You know, sports. Okay. Our next review comes from, of yeah. course, Mr. Roger Ebert himself. I always save best for second. He writes, <laughs> films like Speed belong to the genre I call bruised forearm movies because you're always grabbing the arm of the person sitting next to you. Done wrong, they seem like tired replays of old chase cliches. Done well... They're fun. Done as well as speed, they generate a kind of manic exhilaration, which is exactly what I felt. Exactly. And he gave it four out of four stars. 
Roger Ebert doesn't do that. No, I know. I would never imagine if you were to tell me, so there's this action movie about like a bus that has a bomb on it, Keanu Reeves, you know, saving people. Uh, Roger Ebert gave it four out of four. I would be like, you're kidding me. Yeah. In what universe? (laughs) Our third and final review, of course, comes from Amazon where all the freaks hang out. The review titled, Walter Matthau is not in speed. (laughs) It reads, sometimes at work, my colleague Ted Pepsi and I... I actually like went to this reviewer's profile just to make sure he wasn't somebody who like routinely writes fake reviews on things. But this is 100% real. Okay. (laughs) Sometimes at work, my colleague Ted Pepsi. (laughs) Oh, God. Oh, I'm crying. Um, He and I tend to get locked into some serious debates. Well, the other day, Ted told me that Speed was the greatest action movie of all time. He was especially impressed with the scene where Walter Matthau drives the bus. (laughs) Needless to say, I knew Ted was wrong, but I didn't have a DVD to prove it. (laughs) This sale solved both of my problems. After one fast purchase and watching the movie five times with Ted for emphasis, I can safely inform you that Walter Matthau does not appear anywhere in the movie Speed. He's not on the bus. He's not in the SWAT room. And no, t- and no, Ted, he's not in any crowd shots either. So drop it already. Oh, that oh is God. so good. That might be one of my <laughs> crying. That's one of my favorite reviews ever. When you started ever it, written. I was just, I couldn't figure out how it was going to get back to Walter Matthau. <laughs> Ted Pepsi, if you're listening, which we know you You've are, gotta be. <laughs> drop it already. Yeah, please. That's enough. <laughs> it took you five times. You need to, to watch, watch it five times to comb through speed to search for Walter Matthau. We all know that Ted Pepsi is one tough cookie and he does not drop <laughs> things unless he is totally when sure. Ted Pepsi makes up his mind, there's really no, no. there's nothing to do you, about it. <laughs> yeah, you better just drop it. All right, those are my oh, reviews. I need like a second. <laughs> drop it already. Drop it already. Okay. Uh, okay, well, shall we... Uh, Dive on into the plot. Let's do it. We start with maybe the cheesiest <laughs> opening of movie history. I was shook watching this intro because it's like the old school, you know, like in old movies where they used to do all of the credits first, yeah. which is like, you know, not something we really see much anymore. But Mm-mm. certainly not while we're just going through an elevator shaft for like three straight minutes with text on screen that I can only describe as word art. I, I, I wrote the same thing. Word art intro. It's so weird Word art intro. because the text on the screen isn't even the text on like the movie poster. Nothing to do with any of the branding. It's very no. aw- it's like they gave the intro of this movie to somebody who had nothing to do with the film. Clippy, yeah, <laughs> like, did the intro of this movie. Then even when the movie title comes down, it's like speed in these crazy letters. And then in the, the letters shoot forward and it's like pew, like yeah. a weird sound effect. It just seems like an 80s space movie. And the music keeps building and building. And I'm like, okay, we're wrapping it up. And then it would not wrap up. It's, it just keeps going. I'm hoping that it was like a little tongue in cheek but probably not. 
we happen upon a dire scenario where these people are stuck in an elevator, but we have a madman who is threatening that if the police don't give him $3 million, that he is going to blow them up. We get Jack as Keanu Reeves coming in and Harry as Jeff Daniels, who need to go and figure this thing out. This scene was actually inspired by the fact that the director, Jean Debon, had a real life experience on set of Die Hard, he apparently got stuck in an elevator on the 40th floor of the building while they were shooting the movie and he had to be saved. Wow. From someone who greatest fear is getting stuck in elevators. I hated watching it. It was very stressful and the hostages inside were way calmer than they should have been. The elevators are stuck and they're like, we got to go examine the bomb. And Keanu's like, looks like we're walking. They walk up to the 38th floor or whatever. Dennis Hopper is in another elevator. The freight elevator. They climb onto the car. There's a bomb on the top of the elevator. Yeah, which I would just like to say, so I guess there were two Two bomb. This is this is something that I take issue with throughout the movie. I will say, is that there's always seems to be like one bomb, but then there's like another random smaller explosive somewhere that that will go off, and then but it just won't do nearly as much damage as a bomb probably should because there's initially like a smaller explosion which kind of snaps the elevator cord, and these people free fall for like ten floors, and then the emergency brakes kind of stop the elevator. They can't figure out what to do. They're like, what if we can get the people out of the elevator and not work on the bomb? So they go up to the roof. They sling a huge steel cable onto this crane. They lower the cable down. They strap the cable onto the top of the elevator. Dennis Hopper realizes what's going on and he blows it. The cord stops the people from falling. And they're like, we're LAPD. And the people are like, what are the cops doing here? Yeah. You just heard an explosion and you free fell. Hello. They're just like, aren't, aren't you just going to send a handyman? Like, I would be pissing my pantsuit. Yes. I would be out of my mind. They seem to think this is all business as usual. So what happens is the crane starts to fall. The crane falls, which makes the elevator fall more. But they finally get to a place where the police can pry open the door and they can start feeding them out of the elevator. Yeah. Which I would like to note, of course, hot blonde executive goes first, right? Got it go first second the second hottest girl brunette this time and we get a full unnecessary shot of her ass in a thong i wrote down hand up ass why not on brand for this movie at all i don't know it seems like an accidental thing that happened while they were filming and they were just like <laughs> keep it in yeah i guess no one had rewind you know when they're in the theater so it didn't really matter <laughs> they're like is that a but oh, too late. It could have been anything. So they're getting these hostages out as quickly as they can. Of course, there's one lady who's hesitating, will not come out. The elevator keeps falling a little bit more and a little bit more. You're like, dude, get out of this elevator. She's like, no, you know, I can't do it. It's like, do you want to die? But I, I think that this is, you know, she fight or flight. She chose freeze. So she makes it out, but she almost gets her legs chopped off. They pull her out and it just falls to the basement. So then Dennis Hoffer's like, fuck. This sucks. Jack realizes that he must need to be in the same building. Harry's like, just let's get out of here, man. And he's like, wait, no, he's here. So they are like, okay, freight elevator. Obviously, they sneak up on top of the freight elevator. He's no fool. He starts shooting upwards. What's his name? The bad guy? Howard. Howard Payne. Howard. That's my grandpa's name. Nice. So he starts shooting up at them. Jeff Daniels falls through the ceiling. And then he does this weird thing where he like lifts him up by his, he like sticks his fingers in his nose and like 
pulls him up by his nose, which is just a strange move to me. He's trying to shoot Counter Reeves. Counter Reeves is like ducking him. Then all of a sudden he presses the button and he starts shooting up to the top floor and Keanu Reeves is going to get squashed. So what Keanu Reeves does is he just jumps in. He's got to jump into that elevator. And what I don't really understand is like this guy's in his looks like to be in his 60s. Jeff Daniels is like in his prime. He's an LAPD cop. Just seems like he's overpowering him and like strength wise. He does that a lot through this movie where I'm like, you cannot be physically stronger than Keanu Reeves. Right. He goes to like fight Keanu Reeves. Like that's what you want to do. And he's winning. Yeah, and he's winning this movie has a lot of these griddles moments where it's like everyone in this movie is like a troll under a bridge it's like riddle me this if you were in an elevator with a hostage you know and it's all these pop quiz and they had just done this hypothetical do you remember exactly what they say about where he answers shoot the hostage not really he was just posing a hypothetical about what you do if this person has a hostage and blah 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 and Keanu Reeves says shoot the hostage and Harry's like oh, shoot the hostage that doesn't make any sense fast forward five minutes Harry is the hostage and Jack is in a position where he's trying to shoot Howard and Howard's wearing a bomb and Harry mouths to him like shoot the hostage and he shoots him in the leg in the leg and then he lets Howard escape and Howard runs out the back and blows up. There's a big explosion. The end. Everybody's happy now. Everybody, they get awarded medals of honor for saving the hostages. Life is good. One thing that people noted, like as a slip up in this movie, was that Jeff Daniels kept swishing off the leg he has a limp off, <laughs> which I wish I hadn't read before I watched because I really would have to see that. But. <laughs> have to watch it again. There's just so much like buddy cop banter going on. It's like, you shoot me and you, they give you the medal. It's like everyone wanted to shoot you or something like that. And But mm-hmm. they're really close. And the alternate title for this movie was Police BFF Forever. <laughs> Which stands for Bomb Forget Friends Forever. Bomb Forever yeah. Friends Forever. Yeah. Yeah, weird. Um, you know, they made a lot of changes to this movie and ultimately I think for the better. That's act one, right? There's like three acts of this movie, let's say. I would argue probably more. There's like 16 (laughs) acts of this movie. Yeah. I have seven pages of notes. (laughs) Hang on to your butts. Yeah. Throw back. (laughs) If you don't get that joke, listen to episode two. I could have certainly done with Samuel L. in this movie. I think he would have fit like a core. We need to get these motherfucking civilians (laughs) off of this motherfucking bus. (laughs) That would have worked. I feel like I had to whisper that for some reason. I don't know why. (laughs) I was not full. You don't want anyone to hear it. You just want to broadcast it over your own podcast. This is for you and me. Oh, speaking of like them all being cops. So the director made Keanu Reeves buzz his head for this role, which I for one thought he looked fine, but it was apparently a huge, there was a huge uproar because Keanu was like known for his hair, Bill and Ted, Point Break, all these things. It was like the dreamy factor. And the Fox studio got so pissed off that they almost halted production until his hair grew back out. That's crazy because he looks so badass. So good so handsome and cool and- i was a little shocked to see him without his hair for a second and then i was like just like anytime i watch keanu it looks like i sneezed right in my underwear <laughs> sorry mom <laughs> oh same. same yeah i guess so i guess i could work for anybody keanu is so i think we should just get this out of the way keanu does a piss poor job of true acting in this movie, I think. Oh, you think so? Not like period full stop. Okay. He does a perfect job of doing exactly what he's supposed to. But if (laughs) you were to like put him up against like Daniel Day-Lewis, it's like baseball versus fart or something. Like, Yeah. 
Well, there was a long line of actors after Stephen Baldwin who also turned this movie down. I don't think he would have done nearly a good enough job. You're so convinced that Keanu is this like kind of like a selfless dude who's kind of obsessed with saving people's lives. Like real life. I don't know that he really had to act at all. I don't know that this movie was a stretch for him. He's just charming and kind. And badass. And he's just crazy. He just like does all this crazy stuff thinking on his feet. And it's so cool. Yeah. It's a little strange, but they're like cops slash bomb squad slash detective. Excuse me. I'm going to burp into my mic all night. Keep going. Yeah. And keep it in the episode too. You have not mustered one. So. I don't burp. Wow. I think I've programmed my body to exclusively burp because oh. I'm so embarrassed to fart in front of people. I think I've programmed my body for the opposite. Because <laughs> you're so embarrassed to burp. Yeah, I hate burping. So I'd rather just <laughs> clear out a room. <laughs> anyway, life is somewhat back to normal. Keanu is stopping into his coffee shop to get his coffee and don't forget his muffin. And his local bus driver, who he apparently is acquainted with, stops in. He's like, I saw you on TV. He's about to start his day off on the right foot. And boom, his bus driver in the bus explodes just out of nowhere it's brutal fast running keanu runs up there to see like what's going on and it's so bad that he's not even like gonna worry about it like he just looks and he's like oh there's nothing even to salvage here forget it and somehow a ringing phone right next to him he's like oh it's gotta be for me and he just walks up to it right this is the strangest thing to me and granted like i certainly never had much use for a payphone when payphones were a thing i was young so i will say like the instinct to see a ringing payphone and just and pick it up seems so bizarre to me. <laughs> it's okay because like you can say all these things need to happen for the plot to work. He's had weird cop instincts from the beginning where he's just like, I know he's in the building and then the payphone's ringing and he just is like, yes, knows it's true. for him. So they've got a weird connection. Like he just feels like he knows this guy. I'm surprised there's not more of a, a connection between the two of them of like why they're so linked. I think that's also a good trope too. It's like you and I are the same, you know, like Batman and the Joker. Right. You think they're going to give you a pension kid yeah right they should have done a little bit more of that and he's like i don't do it for the pension do it for the girls I do it for the watch all right so turns out bad guy is alive he is sort of setting up this whole thing again with like more riddles you know he's just like what would you do if your son was at home no no <laughs> I couldn't think of what song. he says, but <laughs> uh, but the stipulations are there is a bus, bus 2525, and once this bus hits 50 miles per hour, the bomb will turn on. If the bus drops below 50 miles per hour after that, the bomb will detonate, and if he takes off any passengers, he will blow up the bus. Needs to get his money by 11 o'clock, $3.7 million. It's 8.05, so he's got two hours and 55 minutes to do this. Is it sad that I was like, it's eight in the morning, geez, like he's already out getting coffee? I was just like, how is it so? Because I was like, 11 o'clock, what does he have, like 15 minutes? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. And also he's so hungover because the night before, they were just out celebrating him getting a sick medal. And mm -hmm. like- Yeah, Harry's super hungover. Harry is having a rough time and it's not going to get any better for him, to be honest. This sad thing was i was thinking like 3.7 million dollars dude that's nothing <laughs> do more do more i mean I, you could live comfortably but like i don't know 1994 that was probably like 98 million dollars maybe yeah if anybody knows math let us know what kills me in this so of course jack starts booking it to get to bus 2525 absolutely kills me that sandra bullock has already missed this bus but she's running to catch it and she is giving babysitter's club realness yeah i mean i have to say like sandra bullock is one of my 
absolute style icons. I am obsessed with her. Mm -hmm. I lived and breathed Miss Congeniality, Practical Magic, like the whole nine. So while she is like a bit amateurish in this movie, she looks really cute. Oh, yeah. You fall in love with her right away. So like she stops the bus and she's like, thank you, Sam. You're such a good guy. It's like, Annie, how many times am I going to? You know, she knows everyone. I also was like, first of all, we're not like in a small town. We're in Santa Monica. So why is this now the second person in five minutes who knows their local bus driver? I don't know. And like also the reason why she's taking the bus is because she got her license revoked so like let's say that happened like two weeks ago i've never seen a bus driver more than once but then again miss doubtfire she saw that bus driver twice right (laughs) so i have to ask you if if this hit you the same way because keanu gets in his car he's like racing to catch this bus also i love that on the back of the bus there is a sign like an advertisement that says money isn't everything yeah right yeah (laughs) (laughs) that's a good one well yeah I guess that applies but watching there's like they do aerial shots of his white Bronco on the freeway chasing this bus and it to me it just looked exactly like OJ footage (laughs) yeah like does that not resonate with 100% when was that chase let's look it up and what year did this movie come out 1994 yeah the OJ thing was 1995 so this whoa they walked (laughs) so OJ (laughs) so OJ could flee because I feel like after the fact they would have all been in the editing room like yeah it looks a little bit it's a little distracting maybe they never really had footage of OJ fleeing so they just used footage from oh maybe yeah so he's chasing this bus there is not a chance this bus isn't going 50 miles an hour it's open highway I agree and he's like creeping up to 50 he's banging on the door to the the bus and the guy's like ah get out of here he's probably some crazy person trying to get on the bus he speeds away that's when he gets into the car and he's like chasing after this person they're going like a hundred miles an hour it annoys me that he basically chases the bus into 50 miles per hour right like the bus wasn't going 50 miles per hour and then you started chasing it and then it went faster yep also fun fact so when he's first chasing the bus and he bangs on the door and breaks the glass, that was an accident. Oh, wow. And they left it in. He's just so strong. Eventually, he figures out how to tell this guy, you know, I'm LAPD or whatever. And he's like, oh, okay. So he starts to slow down. Keanu realizes, oh, no, we're going over 50 miles an hour. The bomb has activated. So he's like, no, keep going. So he wrote bomb on the bus and everyone starts freaking out. He opens the door to jump onto the bus. Jumps out of the car leaving this other guy to something that we apparently love to do in this movie which is fine with me because I love to watch it which is have a car speed into a bunch of barrels full of water and watch them explode. When I was watching this for the first time that was certainly the first time that I understood that those things are full of water. I had no idea what those things are. I didn't know until today. Yeah. So he finally he jumps onto this bus is trying to like work things out with the bus driver. Sandra Bullock is not being super helpful. She's throwing him a little attitude. Then I guess there is a a guy on the bus who is a bit of an outlaw, bit of a criminal who gets a little triggered by the fact that there's a cop on the bus, thinks he's there for him and pulls a gun on Keanu and Keanu pulls out his gun. Then he's trying to talk him down. They were probably just like, all right, now just like say some stuff to try and calm him down because Keanu looks at him and is like, look, we're just two cool guys. And then the construction worker like takes the guy down, but not before he accidentally shoots the bus driver. Uh, we should mention just really quick, the other two notable members of this bus too, which is Cameron from Ferris Bueller. <gasps> Cameron from Ferris Bueller, stay off. His character was supposed to be, or it was originally, he was supposed to be like a dickhead lawyer who's like a big asshole and dies in the movie. Oh, interesting. And they were just like, nah, 
We love you too much. Yeah, I mean, he is really annoying in this movie, but not enough where I want him to die. And then the other person is the teacher from Donnie Darko, who is in a bunch of other things, including No Country for Old Men. She's Dwight's nanny, who he goes on a date with in the office. <laughs> she's also on a new show right now, or a newest show called Baby Doll, and she's awesome in it. So she yells, Sam, as he gets shot. That was a good impression of her. Thank you. Then the bus starts slowing down, and Annie takes the wheel, and she's full of these like funny quips. She definitely is maintaining a sense of humor throughout this crazy journey. The only thing I don't love is like she is doing her like quirky Sandra Bullock thing where even though she is currently responsible for keeping all of these people alive, she's like apologizing for her driving skills the, the whole, whole time. time. She's just like, oh, sorry, sorry, oh, sorry. Like, <laughs> girl, it's fine. It's cool. Like, just do what you got to do. You stepped up and that's enough. Simultaneously, we are on the phone with Harry at the police department who's doing all kinds of research to help him A, see if he can defuse this bomb, B, see if we can figure out who this guy is and we can get a major tip off that because the bomb was made using a gold watch as the timer. A cheap gold watch that they are fixated on. We're, we're not sure why, but it is important. I will say I was really about to be upset when she full on hit the stroller. At first I was like, okay, this is going to be a close call shot. They're almost going to hit the stroller. And then she hits that fucking stroller and it goes flying. And I was like, no fucking way. Everyone's seen so many movies and seen almost everything you could do in a movie. And there are so few things that could really take your breath away. But watching that bus hit that stroller or the baby carriage or whatever, I really felt like my heart skipped a beat. Luckily, it ended up being cans, but it freaked me out just the, the visual. Yes. Of it. And we always see a stroller about to enter the street and then the car veering at the last second, right? Like we've seen that a million times. But to see it actually strike the stroller was jarring. Yeah, it was traumatizing. And then right afterwards, of course, this like teachers leading her kids across the street. Oh, come on, come on. It's like we're in the middle of traffic and they just narrowly miss splattering 10 eight-year-olds. I don't know how Sandra Bullock is keeping it together, but she is somehow weaving through traffic, going on the shoulder, knocking off people's side mirrors, somehow still going above 50. She's taking turns at 50 miles an hour where they have to like put everyone else on the one side of the bus so it doesn't flip over. Yeah, she somehow manages to still like giggle and flirt with Keanu Reeves. And one of my favorite slash lines that I hated in this movie where she's like, so <laughs> what do we do? Bomb this guy's country or something? Yikes. Yeah. It's a little racist. Actually, <laughs> he's white and American, lady. Ha, shows you. But it was also just like not a very funny joke. No. Like I don't even understand what the joke was. But She's trying to ask him like, why did this guy put a bomb on our bus? And she's like, what does this have to do with Yeah, us? but the joke would be like, what did we knock this guy's ice cream over or something? That's the joke, right? Like not something that would actually necessitate that. If you bomb someone's country, maybe it's a retaliation of equal proportion. <laughs> right. We bomb this guy's country, so he's going to blow up one American bus. But only only if it dips below 50 miles away. Right. So we get the okay from Howard to offload the bus driver so that he can survive. He's losing a lot of blood over here. And then the other passenger lady, first of all, the, the cops really do it dirty because they already know that if we offload anybody, 
they will get blown up. And so they take the bus driver off because we get the okay from Howard. But then they're like signaling to the other lady, like, come on, come on, reach for our hands. We got you. We got you. Oh, yeah, they do do yeah. that. I don't know why. And this lady is like panicking and she wants to get off the bus, even though we know she can't. And here's where we have another little tiny baby bomb right under the bus door that as she's about to walk off the bus, it detonates. She falls through the floor and under the bus tires and dies. Which is like super jarring. Also, I mean, of course, it's like really fucked up, but it was a really cool effect because- I was not ready for it. It (laughs) takes you by surprise and they don't, it's not one of those like cheesy cuts where you just see her and then it cuts to something else and you see the explosion. The explosion starts from the same camera angle. So you see like her getting really engulfed in smoke and then you see it cuts and then you see the explosion. So it looks really real. So when her body falls under the tire, you're like, oh. It's a brutal moment. There aren't many moments for a film that is so clearly action packed and a lot of people's lives are at stake. There aren't many truly gruesome moments like there or just gruesome moments at all. There aren't even many deaths in this movie. But when you do see something, it's like in the first five minutes, you see somebody just get straight up stabbed in their earball. And to me, I was like, oh, okay, this is going to set the scene. But it really doesn't. There's not that much gore in this movie. It's really, which is what I love about it. It's really just thrilling and suspenseful. But when they do take that moment, they don't go halfway. They're just like, it's all or nothing. Either you're getting stabbed in your ear hole or you're getting thrown under the tires of this bus or like, you know, it's going to be something terrible. You're not going to die in a relatively clean way. The way they do it is not like typical action movie where it's like they play like fast and loose with time where the explosion happens and then they take a different angle and the explosion happens and then you see her body roll under the tire and then you see a different angle like it just happens all in real time and then they just yeah. move on so i don't which i think is way more effective you could say like they move through with speed oh yes <laughs> <laughs> so annie's really glad it wasn't her keanu's like you know what you should feel okay that you're happy to be alive you're not the bad person he's the bad guy you're like okay maybe i can get a five minute reprieve it's like (laughs) ring ring (laughs) Uh uh-oh the fucking freeway isn't finished that you're on this pissed me off because we have these fucking ding-dongs in the car looking at a paper map being like well it's finished (laughs) on this map i'm like we're using a paper map if this movie was set today like we'd have like 18 hackers like at the very beginning being like all right well don't take this because that road's not finished right there's just a massive gap in the highway ramp the police chief does say like you're fired everyone's fired (laughs) yeah literally even he knows like this is some shoddy work for this high stakes situation it's also i'm just like we could be getting all these people off the bus if he wasn't well in my mind at this point i'm like why are we brought why are we letting people broadcast this because that's how he has eyes on everyone he's seeing everything happen through these choppers is what i'm thinking at this right in any case they decide the only thing to do is jump the gap. This is in every commercial for Speed. I think this movie did such a good job of promoting. This is what everyone remembered from Speed. This is in what everyone wanted to see when they were going to it. They need to start like flooring it, which to this bus means 70 miles an hour. Because <laughs> that is as far as that speedometer can go up to. I noticed that. I was just like, buses are not made to go over 70 miles per hour. Like I've had buses like 
pass me on the highway when right. I'm going like 90. Right. It was, but the, the speedometer just didn't go any further. No. So, and the, and everyone knows that's how cars work. If your speedometer doesn't go up that far, right. your car doesn't go up that far. It's the limitations of the 90s. So he's like, you know what? I bet that it's actually a little bit lower. They're trying to like make at least the believability factor a little bit better because first of all, before we even get to, this just can't happen. It, like they did it on Mythbusters. It's just the physics of it are absolutely ridiculous. But they're like, all right, it's a little bit lower. So we'll have kind of like a ramp. And he's like, everyone put all your stuff underneath your seats. Everyone's freaking out. They're going 70 miles an hour. And it just launches this bus and like the front goes way up. We see a bunch of different angles where the bus isn't real. It doesn't really work physics wise and are in the real world. It doesn't matter. It's so freaking cool. It's 50 feet that they need to make it. Like I just wrote in all caps, <laughs> they made it. Like I just felt so, oh man, I was stoked. I was so stoked. And, and everyone on the yeah. bus is just celebrating and hugging each other and forgetting that like they're still a fucking bomb. They're still, yeah, they're still going to die. It's peaks and valleys, this movie. That's peaks true. and valleys. 100%. They make it and they decide, you know, quick thinking on Jack's part, let's turn into the airport because then we can just like do donuts on the tarmac. It's actually really smart. So he negotiates with Howard that he's going to let Jack off the bus for a couple of minutes, which I was also like, you're going to let these civilians just deal with this? And I don't even really know what the benefit. So he could just get a jacket, like a bulletproof vest on, like an outfit change. I've already wet my pants. <laughs> he is not. He is cool as a cucumber. So they put him on this little bomb scooter, like a flatbed kind of thing. He's like laying down and they're going to release this wire that's going to let him slide underneath the bus to try and defuse this bomb. And this is a good as time as any to say that Keanu Reeves did almost all of his own stunts for this movie. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. It is wild. Like he's he always just, does. It's crazy. I mean, he's on this like... Yeah, like what would you call it? Like those scooters in gym? You sit on your butt and you hold the sides and you like grab walk your way around. Yes, yeah. that's exactly what I'm thinking of. But he's going like 80 miles an hour. They're guiding him underneath this bus and it looks so freaking cool. While we're speaking about people doing their own stunts, Sandra Bullock actually passed the driver's test, like the bus driver's test. She learned how to drive a bus for this. But I mean, they had a stunt driver on top of the bus and like in the seat behind her. So <laughs> yeah, but she can't do everything. You know, she had to carry Keanu Reeves with her acting. So, you know, right. <laughs> All of her giggling, sexual tension. You know, it came out like in the last like five years that they both had a crush on each other while they were shooting this movie and they just never did anything about it. No. And it like just came out like, oh, biggest missed opportunity. Because they did the lake house too. I know. Like where, hello, you had all these opportunities. I mean, she was married and then obviously that didn't work out. And I, I mean. Imagine though, like if they got together right now. I don't know if I could handle it. Anyway. Enough with all that mushy stuff. He is trying to disarm this bomb. It's not going to happen. And he's talking to Harry. Harry's like, you're not going to be able to disarm this bomb. Meanwhile, Harry gets a little message that they found the guy. They know who he is. So they've been searching for a cop and they somehow found someone who is discharged because of a thumb injury because Harry has seen him. He knows what he looks like. So they're like, you know what, Jack? We're going to go to his house. Just get out of there. It doesn't matter. Right. We're going to bust this guy right now. Jack's bomb scooter goes all haywire. The bus tires are getting blown out. He loses it. He stabs up into the bus to kind of try and get a grip on something. He stabs the gas tank, which is not great, but they are able to kind of open up this little thing in the floor of the bus and they're able to pull him back inside. Now, this the whole movie is just a game of to make matters mm -hmm. worse for all my improv or something. <laughs> so to make matters worse, 
now they're leaking gas. But luckily, the SWAT team people, they're showing up to the bad guy's house. Harry is leading the charge. It's awesome. We're ready for this guy to get busted. And uh, he sees this detonator go off. And the the look on his face that we get for the 0.2 seconds before Harry gets blown up is so heartbreaking. It's like at the beginning of Dumb and Dumber when he opens the back of his truck and he sees all the dogs are covered in mustard and ketchup. Just like that. Kind of like, oh man, yeah. really done it this time. Horror. But I was like, man, I had a feeling Harry wasn't going to live. It was too good to be true. <laughs> oh. He explodes everywhere and it turns out the bad guy, of course, is not in his home. I did not He's see it coming. overlooking Pershing Square in downtown Los Angeles. Howard calls Jack and Jack thinks it's Harry. It's like, how did it go? He essentially says like, your friend died. I was leading him there. He figured me out because the watch on the bomb is his retirement present. Yeah. So Keanu finds out that his cop BFF forever is no more and throws like a crazy fit. And what's also kind of fucked up is that Keanu Reeves' character in this moment has found out that he's lost his partner and his best friend. But while he was shooting this movie, he actually found out that his real life best friend, River Phoenix, died of a drug overdose. And they actually like changed the shooting schedule to accommodate him while he was grieving. They just said like through this whole process, he was like really, really quiet. And when he wasn't needed, he would just go to his trailer and read Hamlet. Oh, such a sad actor. He's had a tough life. He has had such a tough life and yet just a beautiful person. This is a great acting moment. And I would imagine probably really inspired. Yeah, hit home. He throws a bit of a rage fit and it's just like ready to give up. And old Sandy Bullock is like, you can't give up. You can't give up. We're all counting on you. Like you can do this. While she's doing that, he notices that she has a shirt on that says Arizona. So he said, did you go to the University of Arizona? And she was like, yeah, it's like good football team, the Wildcats. And he remembers something that Howard said to him earlier, which was, you know, you've got a real wildcat behind the wheel or something. So he knows that Howard can see Sandra Bullock. So he looks behind the window. Sure enough, there's a camera there. Right. So he knows that that's how he is keeping track of all of them. And they get a brilliant idea to basically get footage of the camera on the bus of everybody kind of doing nothing and then recording that and playing it on loop so that he can't see what they're actually doing. This is how we are able to safely get all of the hostages off this bus. Except for Jack and Annie because Annie needs to drive the bus and Jack, of course, is not going to leave anyone behind. So they hand him the perfect length of pole to stick between the pedal of the bus and the seat. It is absolutely perfect. They get some rope and they tie it so the steering wheel won't change. And they take the bottom of the bus off and they start to board a metal slab to get off this bus. And this bus is careening towards a bunch of dangerous things. And all of a sudden, they climb onto this thing. They're holding one another. And just as this rope gives, they slide under the bus and all these sparks fly up. And they start sliding into these orange cones in the field of an airport. And the bus just keeps speeding off and speeds directly into like a bazillion dollar plane, which explodes into a million pieces. I was just like, for a second, I was like, are they going to confirm for us that that plane was empty? It wasn't just a bunch of people like clapping as the plane was landing and it's just (laughs) this bus drives into it but i guess it's a like a shipping plane and these types of planes have blown up in many movies before so i guess it was the safe choice i was thinking the same thing so in my mind i'm like we did it the movie's over i can relax end of act two (laughs) 
course, this is not the case. <laughs> not the case at all. So, of course, we still need to catch this bad guy. He has given instructions to drop the money he's requested in all bills, so 90s, <laughs> into this trash can in Pershing Square. But he was a cop, so obviously he knows. Like, there are snipers everywhere, which is why this genius has created a hole in the ground under the trash can. <laughs> Unfortunately, that curious, curious kitty, Sandy Bullock, feels the need to get out of the car and Howard is there in a cop uniform, basically snatches her, ties a bomb to her, classic Howard. Yeah, and so they're all watching the drop and they're like, he's late. Jack is like, he's never late. And he's like, why don't we turn on the tracker to the money? It's like, oh, right, I forgot. And they turn it on. I forgot we put a tracker <laughs> on the money. Doi. And then they see it moving out. So Jack runs over, throws the trash can up. There's a big hole in the ground and he realizes he's in the subway. God, when will this be over? I mean, right. I'm enjoying it, but I also am just like, how many hoops do we need to jump through? It never stops. Even when the credits roll, I still feel like, yeah, but... Right. He runs into the tunnel and is like, freeze, shitbag, or whatever he says. Like pop quiz, you've got the sights on you with a gun, and it zooms in, and it's Sandra Bullock, and she turns around really slowly, and she has a bomb strapped to her. And that's a really, really cool scene to me. He's had a bunch of these like soliloquies to Jack where he's trying to kind of like impart his vision of the world. But this part, I think, is the best because I think it's a metaphor for his character. So he's trying to explain, it's like, you don't understand, Jack. A bomb is made to explode. It's its meaning. It's its purpose. And your life is meaningless because you spend your life trying to stop the bomb from becoming. And he's like, do you know what a bomb that doesn't explode is? A bomb that doesn't explode is a cheap gold watch. And he's talking about himself because the cheap gold watch is him getting that, you know, thank you very much for your service. We don't need you anymore. And he is this thing that is going to explode. Like this is his purpose. It's this whole thing about destiny and what you're meant to do. And it's like, you know, like no country old men, you're kind of dealing with like a villain that has a purpose and cannot be stopped. You need to figure out some other way to do it. They're never going to stop. So you need to figure out some other solution. So we have this really powerful exchange. Then he whisks Sandra Bullock away and they're getting on the LA subway. He's nice enough to let everybody else off, which is cool then he kills the train driver which for me i was like all right buddy but what's your end game like how are you getting off the train i was thinking the same thing what's the point right and sandra bullock's freaking out he's got this little like remote where if he like untightens his hand she'll blow up she's freaking out and he's like talking to her and he says something which i just don't he's just like don't worry it's not because you're a woman yeah and i was like I, I just didn't understand i just did not understand why he says that me neither that could have been a really good moment of dialogue and i just didn't understand really what the point of it was but keep going with the metaphor or something like i don't know wax poetic there sandra bullock's trying to understand he's like listen you won you beat jack you have the money just get off the train i mean you're you're fine you won and he's like no what needs to happen is i'm gonna get off you're gonna keep going and there's going to be a huge subway explosion. And in those types of accidents, they don't even count body parts. They're going to think I died and I'm going to be way gone. It's just so stressful because that little clicker gives me anxiety. 
Oh, yeah. And it's not even the kind of clicker where you press down. It's that he's holding it tightly and if he releases it, which seems so easy to do, he goes to open up the old money bags and this purple goo explodes all over him, all over his face. And somehow he didn't see this coming. <laughs> right. I certainly didn't because I didn't know what those were. I had to look it up. Was it like an ink bomb or something like yeah, that? Yeah, an ink bomb, a dye bomb, which is something that they equip people with some oftentimes like in banks so that you know if somebody gets away with the money it will stain all the money and it will be an obvious sign that it's been stolen it's a x marks the spot on robbers he's super pissed jack is on the train at this point we get this super tense on top of the train man on man fight yeah he goes up to fight jack like jazz said before He's like 60. Jack is shredded. In his prime. I mean, granted, Jack has had a hell of a day. I'm sure he is very tired. He hasn't snacked this whole time, so I would imagine his blood sugar is fairly low. Yeah, that might be why he starts to best him a bit. Right. This guy's been sitting in his bomb cave sipping Cokes all day long. Too many Cokes. A lot of Cokes in the glass bottles. Yeah, he's really, he's besting him. He's like choking him on top of the train. But of course, Jack looks ahead, sees that there is a, like a light, a hanging light coming up. And so... And he says, what are you going to do, Jack? I'm smarter than you. <laughs> and he goes, but I'm taller. And he pushes his head up and the light smashes his head right the fuck off his body. <laughs> clean off. Head pops clean off this is what i'm talking about there's no subtle gore in this no it's so quick and too it's just there's actually there's also not even much blood that happens it's just like it was a surgical boom. yeah pop. it's like in twilight when the vampires get their heads ripped off like just is like uh it's just nothing it's like a ripping off a barbie head it was very satisfying because you hate this guy so just you know jack climbs down into the subway and uh annie's like where's pain and he's like he lost his head. <laughs> Borf. That is like, I want to say probably the worst line in the movie. That was probably in the original script. I don't That's know if Josh, Josh Whedon had his hand in that. I mean, I think if they'd spent five more minutes on that line, they could have figured out something better. Yeah. Ooh, now we can relax because <sighs> the bad guy's dead, right? Wrongo. Just fucking kidding. No. <laughs> fucking, my nerves are shot at this point. <laughs> I went from manic exhilaration to just fucking I have no fingernails <laughs> left. I'm choking down popcorn kernels at this point. Just like breaking my molars. Like put me out of my misery. Yeah, I'm inhaling tooth dust at this point. Also, I'm like, okay, not only is the next to make matters worse, so annoying, but we've already done it. We get a call that's like, the train track isn't finished. <laughs> Like, what is going on in LA, number one? Number two, like, how did, again, how did we not see this in advance? Are we now looking at, like, it's like, well, I was looking at the laminated subway map up on the wall, and it looked like it was done. Yeah, the sun-bleached uh, subway map that hasn't changed in 20 years. Jesus Christ. Wouldn't you know it, he can't stop the train. Right. I, I read somewhere where somebody was like, because of course, what are we going to do? Come to the same conclusion. The only antidote, speed. So he's going to speed up the train speed. because the emergency brake doesn't stop and doesn't work. So I read somewhere where somebody was like, if the speed gauge worked, why wouldn't he just slow down the train? I don't know. <laughs> Whatever. Slow it to a stop. But I mean, of course, like Sandy Bullock is handcuffed to the pole and they cannot get her free. But this is actually one of the better parts of the movie in terms of like 
mood. The rest of it is like something terrible is happening. The music is like super tense and you're like, you know what? They're going to make it. It's just going to be tense. Now all the sound gets sucked out of the movie. It's just kind of like them talking and there's nothing else. And like this kind of like melancholy music comes on. You're like, I think they might just die. Or part of me was like, maybe we fade to black and that is how we get to speed two and just set on this train. Speed two is 45 seconds long. <laughs> <laughs> they were like, ah, just tack it onto the first yeah. one. <laughs> it's, I mean, like you kind of get the feeling that Jack, you know, saying like, I'm just going to speed up and then we could flip to the next track. It's not like, like you realize that's a good idea. It just keeps the same tone where you start to realize like maybe Jack is kind of delusional. It seems like a like a submission. It almost seems like a la Perfect Storm. Yes. This is like their way of being like, well, at least we'll die faster if the train is going faster. Good it call. doesn't seem like a, we're going to do it. You know, it, it doesn't have the same vibe as hopping the highway gap, but he just kind of crouches down with her and the train just goes barreling through the tunnel. More explosions. Lots of sparks flying, lots of perturbed subway employees running out of the way not like sandwich makers like, no <laughs> yeah nobody's down there making a foot long i should should say yeah. mta track workers if anybody's confused at home the train is just barreling through this tunnel sparks flying everywhere we inevitably just come up this ramp into the streets of LA. The train is turned on its side, skidding through the street until it comes to an ultimate halt in front of the Chinese theater. It's awesome. They finally take a breath, a real breath. This is it. This is the last scene. They can finally breathe and they waste that breath making Yeah, out. they do. <laughs> and there's this great dialogue. <laughs> Sandy Bullock is like, you didn't leave me. And he's like, I didn't have anywhere to be. What a fuck boy response. He's like, yeah, I don't, I'm not <laughs> trying to commit to anything right now. I just was here because uh, I was trapped in here. So, <laughs> <laughs> What a fuck boy. It's not really about you. No, he's super into her. They're clearly feeling each other. They go from like the subtle jokes of like, well, I heard that relationships that start in tense situations never work out. And she's like, I guess it'll depend on the sex then. And he's like, whatever you say, <laughs> ma'am. <laughs> And everyone's they start kissing and everyone's watching and clapping and laughing and then roll credits. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. Well, apparently one of the other like fuck ups in this movie was there are a bunch of people like taking pictures and taking video and there's a guy on there taking video with the camera and the lens is still on the lens cap is still on and then there's another guy taking pictures from a Polaroid that's closed. <laughs> <laughs> like they just gave these props to people who had never seen cameras in their life and they were like you know what to do with this and they were like yeah yeah American movie and they just like fucked it they spent all their mental energy on the physics of how that bus is going to get over that uh, 50 foot chasm so they don't have time to check if the lens cap is on okay nerds we end here with them making out until the inevitable sequel that Keanu Reeves refused to do he was not under contract he refused to do it and Fox like blacklisted him for like 14 years after that because he wouldn't be on the second which takes place on a cruise ship and he had the right like he always does he had the exact right intuition because it is considered one of the war sequels of any movie ever. I found a lot of interviews of Sandra Bullock just publicly being like, this movie is terrible. <laughs> it sucks. All I remember is that somebody gets into a bath of leeches. Oh, no. Yeah, that's all I can remember from the movie. I don't like that. It reminds me of the Great Panda Escape, Great Panda Adventure. I don't know what that is. <gasps> what? 
Add it to the list. Add it to the list. If you know, you know. <laughs> yeah, I fucking really enjoyed this movie. I just, it was like everything I wanted in a movie. A little bit of romance, a little bit of snarky funniness. Just kept me on the edge of my seat. So I personally am going to give this movie nine Wildcats. I'm going to give this movie nine gold watches. This movie is so great. When it ended, I felt so good. Like when you watch a movie that you just can give your whole self to and just totally back it, like that was just a phenomenal experience. And you want to tell everyone to go watch it. I know that- An unexpected masterpiece, it's so good. to be, to it's be honest. It's over 25 years old. It was made in 1994. I seriously believe that if this movie came out tomorrow, it would be a hit. Everything holds up about it to me. It's a perfect right. movie. It's not like in every action movie today, there aren't cheesy lines and shit. Right, know? exactly. It's a good point. Yeah. And it was remade over and over again in many different forms. Everyone was trying to chase the success of speed. And no one can catch speed because it's just too speedy. Speed at the ultimate speed. Yeah, they're going right. 48 tops. No one's going 50 miles per hour. Nobody. No one. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this episode of Millennial Movie Club. If you like what you heard, be sure to subscribe to the podcast and write us a glowing review. We are millennials. We kind of need the validation. For even more goodies, be sure to follow Millennial Movie Club on TikTok and Instagram. Later Later days. days.